Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to Modernizer Die, CFML News Edition. It's February 11th, 2020. And this week I'm back and I'm with Brad Wood. Hey, good to be here. Good to have you. You want to try the high five thing again that Eric and I did last week? Or I don't know if that'll that'll work this time. (laughs) No, a little different this week, but uh, it's worth a shot. Different different continents or something like that. (laughs) For sure. Well, uh, thanks for joining me. Hope everyone uh, enjoyed last week's live, live, live show, which is a bit different from normal. But it was, I mean, they're uh, all live. It just feels more live when we're in the same room together. Yep, exactly. <laughs> time zones don't have to mess with the timey-wimey stuff. Anyways, uh, so welcome back. Um, first, I just want to thank our sponsor, Auto Solutions. So uh, Auto Solutions helps with a lot of different things. We do a lot of training, everything. But a big push lately is for legacy. A lot of uh, Cold Fusion shops have a lot of legacy code, and we spend a lot of our time helping them migrate that legacy, uh, trying to get out of those chains of the monolith. Um, so whether it's modern tooling or uh, you know modern frameworks, we can help you with that. So um, if you're looking for some help there, definitely reach out to us at Auto Solutions, and we can try and you know free you from those chains of legacy code. They can free you. Yep, for sure. So uh, let's get into the news and events. So Adobe Roadshows, we got some more information from them. So uh, last week, uh, you guys announced there was five locations in their blog post they released. Keisha released a blog post and gave uh, more information on the locations for each of the venues. But San Francisco was missing from that list. So Mm. I don't know if that's because uh, they haven't got a location yet or it may not go ahead. So currently we have Sacramento on the 11th and that looks like it'll be at the Hook and Ladder Manufacturing Company. And then on the 18th, we'll be in San Jose at the District. Um, the 19th will be in uh, Los Angeles at Public School 213. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure <laughs> what that is. And then on the 20th... Um, the Orange County will be at the Enclave Apartments Clubhouse. So uh, those locations are going to be in our show notes, and they were um, posted on the Cold Fusion portal by Keisha as well. So if you guys want to get those, and uh, if you are looking to go, um, please RSVP to Keyshore at adobe.com. And these are all scheduled for the 6 to 8 p.m., so it's going to be you know, a little more relaxed. Um, they, they even said there might be a chilled beer for you, so if you guys are mm. looking for a drink, um, there may be a drink in... As we, I think you guys mentioned last week, they're hoping to get some uh, some 2020 boxes available so you guys can play with them actually at the road box itself. So that sounds pretty cool. So uh, have we asked Kishore about that San Francisco date? Have we reached out to him on that? No, I just uh, looked at the blog post this morning, so we'll have to check with him and see. So we'll try and get confirmation for you. Um, Where's that but, blog post at? I'm on the community portal right now. Uh, it's in the show notes in the in the blog section. What? Oh, okay. I was so, looking at the show notes in their news and events. I didn't see it. So today is February the 11th, which means there's one today in Sacramento. So if you guys in Sacramento, uh, enjoy it. We'll see if uh, we can reach out to some of those people who are attending. So if you attended one, please let us know what you thought of it. And we'll uh, let everybody else know about next week's as well. So um, if uh, the San Francisco one does go ahead, uh, as previously mentioned, that would be on the 17th. So I assume that would be next Monday if they're going to do that. So... <coughs> 
we'll try and uh, make sure they make a blog post on that. So reach out, look on the portal. That's where most of the data, uh, data we see comes around. So coldfusion.adobe.com is the portal there. Um, but yeah, the last blog post we saw did not have that one listed. I found the post. Feisty is back from from February sixth. Yeah, so mm-hmm. last week. So Yeah, they must have removed the San Francisco one. Interesting. Sorry, people from San Francisco. You have to drive up to Sacramento. It's only a few hours. Yep, you leave now, you might make it with traffic. <laughs> <laughs> California traffic. Yep. Okay. Well, so next on our list, Fusion Reactor 8.3 was released. Woo-hoo! So just for those of you who are actually watching live, live right now, uh, they're right after this live stream is their live stream. So they're going to be restreaming on uh, YouTube um, basically at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So right after we're done here. Um, so if you're watching this after the fact, you guys can uh, probably check out the recording. Hopefully they'll have that recorded and on their YouTube channel as well. Yep. I but, believe that's Michael Fluitt, and I think Charlie Earhart is on that as well. Yep, I believe so. So they should be going live here in about 50 minutes. But do you want to tell us a little bit about what's in uh, 8.3? Uh, well, from what I hear, it has uh, CPU alerting. It has some improved event snapshot uh, functionality for Confusion users. And... Um, I think there's even some uh, some cloud features in there. Um, I, apparently, they have a light theme or a dark theme, which I think is kind of funny. Um, I always <laughs> Everyone's just doing default. that. I know. Everybody has a dark theme. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, I guess you you like the light theme. Is that what I, I hear? Uh, depends on what I'm doing. On my computer, I like light. On the my phone, I usually use dark. Just uh, okay. That um, way, at night, I don't have to worry about my eyes being blinded. Yeah. And I know they've also been um, redoing like their docs, kind of just, like rebuilding them all from scratch to reorganize them and have a lot of uh, stuff updated. So I think that that's kind of been an ongoing effort along with the 8.3 release. Uh, I was t- I, I need to get some numbers. I was talking with with Mikey uh, Michael Fuit from Fusion Reactor the other day, and he mentioned that um, they've seen a lot of uh, increase in command box usage with Fusion Reactor, which I was pretty excited about. So interesting to see if i can get uh get some numbers out of them on on maybe some percentages of what people are de- deploying on but very cool yep cool cool so yeah don't forget oh to- and a side note um if you're using command box and the fusion reactor module which i think mikey actually is gonna have a blog post on soon um you will automatically get the 8.3 release of fusion reactor the next time you restart your command box servers um so this little little plug for the fusion reactor module uh it's the easiest way to stay up to date it just auto downloads the new jar if there's a new version up there and you're just always on the latest and greatest yeah and uh it's it's pretty cool too um like messing with agents and java arguments and whatever it's not much fun the fusion reactor piece (laughs) inside that module just does it for you it's really neat so so yeah but um yeah so that's that's Fusion Reactor. Again, don't miss the live stream. Uh, check out what's new there. Um, and if you're not using it currently, maybe it'd be a good reason to get in there and, and see why you should be using it. So, very cool. Okay, so on to conferences now. So, Adobe CF Summit East 2020, uh, getting closer to that. Um, they're going to be in DC Wednesday, April 22nd. Um, Cost is complimentary, so make sure you guys uh, sign up for that. If in the, in, in the area, it's going to be, uh, I think, eight or ten sessions that day. 
uh, a lot of great content. Some um, some of the community members as well. Uh, Luis will be there. Uh, I think he's working on a PWA app for uh, for the summit itself, and so he's going to be talking about how that's built as well. A progressive PWA app for the web. Yeah, <laughs> progressive web app. <laughs> so um, there'll be some other members too. I believe that um, if you go to the uh, confusion.adobe.com portal, there's a link right there to go register and it will send you to the carasoft.com site, which has the registration information, has information about the sessions and the speakers. There's the link too. in the chat for that. Yep. So Renaissance, Washington, DC downtown hotel. Yep. So it's a one day event, but there is a uh, workshops before and after. So Adobe's going to be doing um, their Cold Fusion certif- uh, specialist certification after the conference. So um, we helped with that in Vegas. That was a, a good certification class. So there is homework before that, though. So uh, if you are going to go sign up in advance, um, it'll be good to get that uh, all those videos watched before you get there. And then you have a one-day uh, classroom session. You go over the, the trickier pieces or the things that need, um, you know, better better reinforcing, I guess, before you take that test. <laughs> but uh, it was a pretty good success rate, though. The, the people that did the videos and went to the workshop, I think they said there was over a 90% pass rate of the attendees. So, Yeah. I see the side here says time subject to change. That's a little disconcerting. Like, how much might it change? Like, you get there and they're like, oh, it's tomorrow? <laughs> it says time subject to change, not date subject to change. <laughs> I don't know push the time back far enough tomorrow (laughs) too funny yep so um that's their workshop there um and then also before luis is doing a build secure mvc cold fusion applications Mm pre-conference and i just heard something yesterday in my top secret interview with luis Uh for the cf uh the modernizer die conference edition podcast that if you go to the um the workshop in DC, uh, with CF Summit East, that there's actually uh, a coupon that you'll get, and you'll get to go to, I believe, I'm trying to remember, I think he said you get to go to one of the workshops in Houston for free. Ooh, one of the end of the box workshops? Yeah. So if you go to the, the, well, cool. the CF Summit East, I believe he said it was free. Um, I'm not sure if that's one day or two days or whatnot, but um, so even more reasons to sign up for that. Now that's coming out. I believe they'll be blogging about it soon. So maybe I jumped the gun a little bit, but um, so keep an ear out for that. You always hear the good stuff first here, don't you? Yep. That's why it's called the news. <laughs> but yeah. So if you sign up for that, um, that workshop is a two day workshop. It's eight ninety nine for the two day workshop right before the, the one day conference for CF summit East. But if you do that, like I said, there's, there's going to be some perks that you get for into the box too. So um, definitely gives you extra reasons. So, to sign up for uh, that. This build secure MVC applications look like looks like um, all you need to have is a beginner to intermediate cold box knowledge. Uh, you need to have command box CLI installed. That was easy, and some kind of local database server like MySQL. That's pretty much it. Yep, and this is a slightly modified version of our zero to hero um, workshop, and so it's going to be focusing a little more on um, you know secure. So there'd be some CB security pieces in there. So you're going to use a little more um, of CB security than yeah. the It's like it's here. using uh, QB a little bit too, some query builders. Yep. So it's, yeah. So basically it's a, a more lockdown version. Uh, a lot of requests for government companies to have a little more security in their, in their stuff. So that training workshop cool. will be 
yeah, slight I, var- variation, but I kind of like some of our trainings that we do that are a bit more opinionated. Um, cause a lot of times it's kind of hard to do a cold box training cause there's like, you know, uh, 8,000 possible ways you can do something, you know? So it's like, well, you can use this module or you, or don't, or use this module or don't, or use this setting or don't. Right. You know, and sometimes people are like, just tell me how to do it. So, uh, some of these later trainings we've had, we're like, okay, this is the way you can do it. Use this, 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 install this boom. Look how easy it is. If you don't like it all, you can figure out a different way, but, um, I kind of like those cause you're kind of building something from scratch that works, you know, and it, it uses a collection of modules that you can decide if you like in the end. Um, yep. so they're, they're fun to, to give those trainings and it's fun to see people taking them. Yep. So again, uh, if you go to autosolutions.com, you'll see a blog on, on that and what the, yep. what links in about. the chat here for our live stream viewers. Cool. And then, uh, register. And we will give you the update on those coupon codes as soon as we get them out there. So that should allow you to, to basically get a discount when going to ITB, whether it's a free workshop or a discount. Like I said, I don't remember exactly, but it's another reason to listen to the Modern on the Dies conference edition because I'll be releasing that this week. So um, we've got a couple of those and we'll be doing workshop stuff there too. So that leads us into Into the Box 2020. Yeah, I'm going to say, do you know what happens in 83 days, 19 hours, 43 minutes, and 27 seconds, Gavin? What, Brad? <laughs> Into the box.org. Yep. And uh, the site looks pretty cool. We've got a DeLorean up there with flames shooting from the tires or, you know, the little skid marks and got a city skyline with lightning. I love the UI uh, on the site. I had nothing to do with it, which you can <laughs> tell. You can I tell. make my UIs in paintbrush, baby. Microsoft Paint. Yeah. So the Which theme for this year is Back to the Future. It is Back to the Future. I, we've been looking forward to this theme. We almost did it last year. Um, Which would have been and, more appropriate because uh, it wasn't last year the year they traveled to in Back to the Future. They had all the. All, maybe I saw so many memes. I forgot what the exact date was. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So we're we're excited about this one. Um, they were finalizing all the sessions. It is not up on the site yet. Uh, we're working on that. They're hoping to have it done uh by the end of the week so hopefully sooner but it should be there soon but uh we have a lot of great content the speakers are um are basically almost all of them have uh confirmed that they're going to be there so we can release some information uh we've got some some you know traditional cold fusion community members we got some people from outside the community too we have a couple of speakers from big companies like uh OpenShift by red hat uh we have a uh, one of their people come in to talk to us as well so it's not just the 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 regulars so uh it's going to be a great conference again we spent so many hours trying to pick all these sessions and it was not easy was it brad no it was really hard to do so i noticed that uh we have two different um eventbrite registration options that both say best 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 deal afterwards they can't both be the best, best, best deal. Like one has to be like the best, best deal. And the other one's the best, best, best deal. We need, we need people working on this gap and when can this be fixed? That's a good question. And to be honest, we need to see if we uh, need to get those, those prices in the, in the show notes updated because that was the super early bird that we had mm-hmm. listed. So I think the super early bird is over. So it's early bird time. Ooh, so wah, you wah, sad trombone. If you missed it, yeah, so there were some super early bird prices, but still, the early bird prices is still a big discount, so please make sure you uh, sign up soon if you're going to do that. The workshop descriptions will be listed here this week as well as the session description, so you've got no excuse for uh, getting those tickets. 
um, and we will be releasing uh, podcasts with the the trainers for the workshops here in the next couple of weeks as well. And we'll be doing some uh, interviews with some of the speakers as well. So that way you guys can help pick your sessions and be ready for a great conference. So I'm looking forward to it. Got my flights booked. I'm ready. <laughs> and yep. then I see as the workshops, um, we do have the two days of workshops this year. So if you don't want to take a two day workshop, well, the two day workshops are cold box zero to hero by me. And then the cold box hero to superhero API edition <clears throat> by Luis. If you don't want to do that two day workshop, you can do uh, one or more of the one day workshops. So we have you do three of the one day workshops. You don't have that many days. What if so. you use the DeLorean time machine and you go back and you'd have like the second day twice? Well, as long as you were in the wrong, a uh, different room, you didn't run into yourself. I think that's the way it works. <laughs> kind of like how Hermione and, and Harry Potter use the little, you know, time thing to go back and take more classes. Just saying. Pretty cool. Yep. So day one, we have Intro to BDD by Brad Wood. Containerizing. Hey, Containerizing CFM applications with John Clawson. Intro to Quick ORM with Eric Peterson. And then day two, we're repeating Intro to BDD with you. Hey, me! Repeating the containerization <laughs> of CFML applications with John Clawson. And then on the Elasticsearch, instead of the Quick, Eric is going to be helping Michael Bourne with the CB Elasticsearch. And then we fun. also have troubleshooting common CF Lucy server challenges with Charlie Earhart. Mm -hmm. so we got a few more options there so if you want to take uh you know like charlie's one and do bdd you can do bdd on the first date charlie's on the second or if you want to do uh, elastic search and containerization you can mix and match them you can do the same one twice if you want but i'm not sure if you really <laughs> want to see <laughs> brad glutton, two days in for punishment you're welcome to do that <laughs> yeah actually if, if anybody shows up to my bdd class two days in a row i'm just gonna have them teach the class the second day and be like it's all you go <laughs> yeah okay so that's that for into the box 2020 so all the information should be released this week and podcasts coming out very soon uh, we have other conferences that we're paying attention to and one of them is dip nexus and you and Luis will be there next week right yeah we're leaving next week to go fly to atlanta jaja and do uh we're doing some uh, i'm doing a kubernetes training a workshop in front of dev nexus and then they have like 80,000 concurrent tracks of JVM goodness. It's more like 12 or 13, but it feels like a lot. So uh, the Fusion Reactor guys will be there. In fact, uh, I think Mikey will be there. Uh, Fluid from Fusion Reactor, the guy who's doing the podcast here in like, you know, half an hour. Um, so it's always fun to, to run into them out there selling their wares to the, the greater Java crowd. Because, of course, Fusion Reactor is an excellent uh, just Java performance tuning kind of tool. It's not specific to ColdFusion. So. They fit right in out there at the DevNexus uh, kind of Java-centric conference. Yep. And then uh, we have ViewConf will be in March, um, March 2nd to 4th at the Austin Convention Center. And then uh, DockerCon will be a virtual conference this year. Um, I don't know if they're still having it in June as they originally planned or not, but uh, we'll be seeing information about that. And if there's any other conferences you guys go to, let us know. Uh, we can add them to the list here. Or if you're looking for a conference, go to comps.tech and they have a whole bunch of conferences for all over the world for different types. So looking for something in your area, they surely will have something. So, okay, let's get into the blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. We have Ben Dell up first. Um, 
exploring tag islands. Uh, somebody had pointed this out to him the other day. I forget who it was. I think it was Gert, they, actually. They had lunch was earlier, it? and he's going to have a blog post about that. Okay, yeah. So uh, tag islands, I remember, I mean, they talked about this forever ago. I think back when we actually had the, the Lucy tag, the technical advisory uh, group, and it was implemented a while back, but it finally, I think it came out in 531. Um, but tag islands are basically, if you're in CF script, um, you know, either inside CF script blocks or just a full uh, uh, script based CFC, and you want to throw some tags in, um, you can basically do three back ticks, kind of like you do for a code block and markdown. And then anything inside of those three back ticks, start and end, are simply interpreted as, uh, as tag content, whatever you want. So if you have a, a script based CFC and you want to do just a good old fashioned CF query, um, you can just throw a little tag island in there in the middle of the ocean of script and you can throw just a good old-fashioned CF query uh, tag inside of it. I doubt that any of the IDEs <laughs> actually parse this correctly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a Lucy only thing. Uh, I don't believe Adobe. I don't even know if Adobe has a ticket for something like this. Um, it's pretty cool, though. I mean, if, if you ever have a, a good use for tags, I mean, and, and it doesn't have to be cold fusion tags. As you know, the first uh, code example in Ben's post here shows, it can just be HTML. So, you know, it's the equivalent of doing echo or write output and having a string, but if you if you have a function that outputs some uh, some HTML to the the page buffer, you can just throw a you know a little tag island in there and just have all your output. Assuming of course that output equals true hasn't been changed, but it's a fun little uh, fun little feature of yeah. uh, of Lucy. Yep, and I think someone did test that you can have a script block in a tag island inside of a script thing. Yeah, I'm pretty certain it, it nests infinitely. Um, yeah, which, I, I, mean, I think someone went down five levels, and that was enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> I believe I mean, you. That's that's the kind of stuff I sort of expect from Lucy stuff like that that kind of just works. <laughs> um, a lot of times in Cold Fusion, you know, you try stuff like that that it kind of feels like it should work, and it's like, oh no, we only implemented that one level, and you're like, oh come on, seriously. Um, it's just pretty cool though. Yeah, so yeah, go check that out if you want to learn a little more about how those uh, tag islands work. Uh, thanks, Ben, for that. And then Greg Desmond um, stumbled upon uh, CFML badges, and so he wrote a blog post about that. He was catching up on some old Modernize or Die podcasts. So, oh, that's uh, Matt Gifford's site. Yep. Right? So yeah, so we talked about this, uh, you know, uh, back in November, and so he found it. So I thought it would be mm -hmm. a good reminder for everybody who might have not have missed, you know, might have missed that episode. Uh, the CFML badges are pretty cool. So um, <laughs> my race start at one. Yep. I love that one. Yeah, or I can bench press Benny Dow. It's a badge for that too. Not sure who can uh, claim that I badge. <laughs> I I visited Ray Camden's Amazon wish list. I mean, who hasn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, lots of cool badges on there. Uh, some pretty good ones. And so thanks, Gray, for putting that on the portal, so people who don't listen to the podcast can uh, see that too. And we have a blog from Pete Freitag too. So he's talking about using same site cookies with Apache. So I guess uh, well, with Chrome 80, I think Chrome 80 came out, but all the cookie madness has not come out yet. But uh, yeah. it's going to be doing some interesting things with cookies. Um, but yeah, so same site cookies. Um, basically, Pete wrote a little script here just to help um, make sure all your t cookies are same site cookies. Yeah, uh, and can you explain what same site cookies are for people that are like, what the heck are they talking about? <sighs> well, that's a good question, actually. Um, I know that there's a, you know, same site cookies only allows isn't it JavaScript to just touch them if they're on the same 
side, but not the same subdomain. There's, I always forget how these work. All I know is that there's, you know, there's ways you can open up your cookie to be more accessible to different places and ways to lock them down. And uh, the same site cookies is a requirement for a lot of the security scanners. So, yeah, I mean, because I, I believe the, the Chrome 80 changes that I've been hearing people complain about affect sites that have subdomains that all share the same cookie um, across them. And I think the same site said and affects that. But I'll be honest, I haven't um, looked into the same site cookies a ton to know all the examples of it. Yeah. So Pete's got this little uh, little piece you can add to your Apache configuration just to you know, add same site to all your, all your cookies there. Yeah. I need so it, it looks for any J session ID cookie and then it adds same site equals lax. Yeah. And so that makes it. Relax, Tell me how that's I supposed guess. to be more, more secure. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anytime you're setting something to lax, it's like, wait, wait what? Yeah. But, uh, I know that a lot of the, a lot of the places will, will just not find the cookie at all. And, yeah, cookies are crazy, and like I said, Chrome 80 stuff that's coming out, basically subdomain cookies won't work. You can't use wildcards in them anymore, so you have to be real specific. Which We need to talk about this war on cookies, man. First, the... Uh, I can't remember the acronym. The... Oh, jeez. GDPR? Thank you, that one. <laughs> First, you have that, and the, you know, this site uses cookies. What? Okay, sure. And now, same site. Somebody has it out for these cookies. Yeah, cookies are. Uh, that's it. I think we're all going back to putting CFID and CF token back in the URL. The writing's on the wall, man. These, these cookies were a fun fad, but they're not going to make it. I know. I people freak out so much over cookies. I'm like, you shouldn't be putting anything interesting in your cookie anyway. Like, what's the big deal? But <laughs> anyway. So Ooh, a blog post from uh, Computer Know How. Yep. Nathaniel Francis uh, was being. Frank Inath. <laughs> It's yeah. his username he always uses. Yeah, so Nathaniel, uh, they've been pretty busy uh, outside the cold fusion world lately by the look of it, doing a lot of JavaScript and everything. And so this blog post is talking about using JavaScript class method chaining. So he's basically talking about how to use classes as, as a syntactic sugar element in modern JavaScript. So, sugar. yeah, Not so sugar. it was pretty interesting that, um, you know, how they use the classes and you know sort of as that dsl component we use it a lot with cold fusion you know we we add all those dsl methods and and use some trickiness to be able to do some chaining so this is basically what he does uh you know inside of javascript so you know since objects are prototype based they're not really class based he sort of shows how he works with them so it's pretty interesting i, I need to go through this a little more i kind of cheat with Vue.js and a couple other things and, and keep it pretty simple but uh one of the the new features in javascript those classes something i want to learn a little more about there's so much new stuff in javascript it's hard to keep up sometimes but <laughs> but it was a nice blog post so uh yeah, you guys should check that out, especially if you're doing a lot of JavaScript stuff. But method chaining is cool. I'll say that much. There you now, go. We have another one from Ben Adele, um, using tags in CF script in Lucy. So uh, this is where he met with Gert, uh, the creator of Lucy, the co-creator, I guess, of Lucy. How's that different than the first post we had? Well, this one is actually, he talks about how you can just chop the CF off the front of most tags and it'll work and see it in script. Oh, I see. So uh, this isn't the tag island. This is just talking about the 
Uh, oh, there, look, there's a picture of, uh, of Ben and Gert. Yeah. Uh, this is just talking about the generic tag and scripts and text. Yeah. Yeah. I was always really disappointed that Adobe uh, didn't do what Lucy did here. They did in the um, end, though. No, they didn't. Um, Lucy supports what Adobe supports, but Adobe doesn't support what Lucy does. Okay, um, I thought they just chopped it off too, and I was like, "That's lazy, guys!" Like, <laughs> no, um, it, it was some stupidity where like Adobe had implemented their version, which is CF tag name, open close parentheses, commas between the parameters. It looks like a function, but it's not really a function. Everybody hates it. Um, they had they had implemented that uh, internally as like like one of their alphas or something. And before that came out publicly, Lucy implemented their version, which was get rid of the CF. It's just tag name, no parentheses. It's not a function, no commas between the parameters. And then, of course, you know, uh, curly braces if you have a body name, which I like mm -hmm. a lot more. Um, and so Lucy had that like out in production by the time Adobe got around to like coming out with their public betas of whatever version of Cold Fusion they did this in. Um, and everybody was like, hey, Adobe, why can't you do what Lucy did? And Adobe was like, ah, well, we already had ours months ago in our private betas, and we're not going to change it. Um, so then, of course, for compatibility, Lucy put in compatibility with Adobe's CF tag name, parenthesis, I'm not really a function nonsense. Um, <laughs> but I, I really kind of hate that one because it, it doesn't return a value. It looks like a function and it smells like a function, but it's not really a function. Um, gotcha. Anyway. Okay. But yeah, I, I definitely like the the Lucy stuff here, which is what Ben's demoing. It's it's just cleaner. Um, it, the only somewhat annoying thing about Lucy's implementation is uh, it's one of the few places where you need to have a semicolon at the end because semicolons are optional in Lucy and Adobe now. But um, if you have Lucy's tag syntax, which doesn't have the parentheses around the parameters. You have, like Ben's example, log, space, text equals blah, space, type equals warning. And then if you don't have a semicolon there, uh, if you had white space or line breaks, the compiler wouldn't know if type equals warning was a parameter to CF log tag or if type equals warning was just a random uh, ver variable declaration on a, on a secondary line. Um, so the only benefit to Adobe's syntax which is really more an accident in my opinion is that the parentheses around the parameters make it so the semicolon can still be optional because the parser can figure out where the tag definition ends but anyway random hmm. little side note on uh on how those work yeah so again for those you you know didn't know and i didn't know the difference so thanks brad for educating me and everybody <laughs> else you can always count on brad for that <laughs> always good for some kind of useless information that's not always useless. <laughs> so uh, we also mentioned the Fusion Reactor release blog. Um, so the 8.3 release notes are in there as well. So we put that in there. And then we have another one by Ben Adele. Um, and this one talks about his best practices for using launch darkly feature flags. And so um, in some of the other, um, the other pieces of our previous blog post, he talks about using launch darkly for feature flagging their, their Lucy app. And their uh, their actual, uh, I think they're using Angular too. So they're up there. But I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, feature flags is something we should probably use a little more often. And I haven't really used them very much, you know, apart from some really ghetto pieces that you might throw in there. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to see how he uses um, those feature flags with Launch Darkly and find out more see, about it. I've used feature flags for things, but like, I don't. I've never felt like I need a freaking framework just for a feature flag. It's just a Boolean you flip on and off. If I'm writing a Colbox app, which is like all my apps, 
I just use the, the built-in setting structure that's a part of every cold box app, the built-in get setting method, which is just magically available everywhere in your app. And if I have a feature I want to have off and, you know, turn on per environment or turn on per user, um, I just put it in the cold box setting and just do get setting in it. Like, like why do I need a framework for that? Or not a framework, but like a library to manage my Boolean flags. But I don't know. That's just me. I've always felt that was kind of weird. I mean, I guess if you're not using the framework and you don't have like this handy mechanism of settings just at your fingertips, then I guess you might have to like, you know, use an entire library to manage it. But I've always thought it was weird to have a dedicated library when I already use a framework that has an entire mechanism for storing settings, overriding them per environment, et cetera, et cetera, and then getting access to them anywhere I want. So, yeah, and I just, that's, that's all I ever do. I just got a cold box setting for it. And then I, yeah, and that's, where I need it. that's what I've been doing too. And that's why I'm sort of curious about, you know, how he's using it and whatnot and when the time to, you know, switch, maybe there's some features in there that we don't, you know, we don't know we need yet or, or whatnot. So <laughs> no, no, you need, yep. One of those yeah. things. So anyway, I just thought it'd be something useful for a lot of people. So we included that one in there as well. I mean, I would definitely at least recommend people look into feature flags for certain. Cause I mean, that's what lets you, iterate on software and not have that like six month lag where we're like, Oh, we can't release because our development branch isn't in a state to go to production. And now everything's a hot fix, you know, feature flags are the magic that let you have features pushed into production months before they're ready, but they're all hidden behind the feature flags or just turned off. So, I mean, I definitely love the idea. So whether or not you use a library, definitely check out his post and just get an idea for, you know, what you do with it because it's definitely underused. I would say, put it that way. Yeah, for sure. Now, here's a name we haven't heard in a while, have we, Brad? Nathan Strutz. Woo! So, uh, one, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not calling Nathan old. Just saying he's <laughs> been around for a while. Yeah, so when did he leave? Dope like back five. in 2012, maybe? I don't remember. Yeah, I'll have to look on the site to see when he said, see ya, CFML. But um, so he had a, an interesting blog post about lines of code. Yeah, and <laughs> I love this quote right at the top. Measuring programming progress by lines of code is like measuring aircraft building progress by weight. <laughs> That's by Bill Gates, too. <laughs> yeah, it's a quote from Bill Gates. It's a, it's a good point. Yeah. It's pretty funny because uh, Nathan Strutz works for an airplane manufacturer now. <laughs> so he says, we actually know the final delivery weight of an airplane <laughs> adjusted for paint and sealing arrangements. Um, but yeah, so... But basically, it's an interesting blog post, and maybe if it's something that you know your organization or even uh, clients, you know, want to know how many lines of code you're going to write or whatever, um, maybe this blog post might be useful for sharing with them and educating them. That that doesn't really help, you know, know if a project's done. You know, as he says, you know, when when the features are done and the bugs are worked out, or it's making you know saving enough time and money to make it you know worth using now. You know, that's usually how software is done compared to yeah. a plane. I can't <laughs> say I've ever worked with a company that cared about lines of code, but I, I could imagine larger uh, government or corporate things saying, we need to have some standard by which to measure what our developers are doing. I know, we'll count the lines of code. That'll tell us what they've been up to. Yeah, I, I, could, I could totally see a, someone who doesn't understand programming thinking that. Yeah, that was interesting, you know, and it talks about different options. And but basically, yeah, the only thing lines of code tells you is how many lines of code there is. <laughs> that <laughs> tells you how useful. many potential bugs you have. Yeah, <laughs> you you have two million lines of code that may be wrong. Well, that's the thing is, is a comment a line of code? Is an empty line a line of code? You know, what do you count? Mm. So anyway, 
So I, th- I thought it was interesting. We're sharing. So you guys can read that and tell us what you think. But we also had a tweet from James Moberg and it mentioned blue dragon, which I caught my attention. I haven't heard of that name for a little while. So he says, yep. even though open blue dragon hasn't received an update since 2014, I do like, I do like how they have their documentation organized. Um, and they said they even have a Chrome extension. And so he's, he said he's considering porting some of the unique CFML functions. So this is kind of cool. You know, there's a lot of things out there we use and, and it'll be nice to maybe bring over some of these unique ones. I know doing the code wars, we have our own Slack channel now, people in code wars mm-hmm. in the box team, but, uh, that. there's certain things that we're using in JavaScript ones and, oh, that doesn't exist in cold fusion. We should try and add that or whatnot. So I think it's kind of cool to, you know, bring over those, those different CFML functions and it'd be kind of fun to, to get them into Lucy for sure. Um, the other option, obviously, is to build a library that um, I know CF Collections, one that Eric worked on before, where you could basically mm-hmm. instantiate a collection from a struct or an array or whatnot, and then it had all these extra, um, you know, syntactical sugar, as uh, Nathaniel put it, um, methods for making things, you know, just easy to work with, etc. So, I wonder how Blue Dragon like creates their docs or created their docs. I wonder if it's based on some kind of metadata in the code. Yeah, I'm not sure. This is cool. They have a CF mapping tag that creates mappings. And that'd be so nice because I have all kinds of hacky workarounds I've had to write inside of Colbox and Command Box to like do this. And it's different in every Adobe version is different on Lucy because there's not like a consolidated tag that everybody just does. Um, yeah. OpenBD had some cool stuff. It's a shame they kind of uh, never really caught on usage wise and they died out i'm not sure who uh who's in charge of them yeah like you know who hosts this stuff still yeah I'm not yeah sure. the docs were always really nice though as far as just the way they're organized yeah so we could always learn something from from them and like i said i'm curious to see what uh unique functions that they have that james is interested in migrating over so it could be cool mm-hmm. to see uh we also have one from Benedel, uh, a blog about trying to debug deadlock when um, trying to get a lock, restarting transaction, Sharp and Lucy. So this was really interesting. I haven't dealt with the MySQL stuff too much where, um, you know, dealing with deadlocks and debugging and that type of stuff. But he was doing some interesting stuff, including um, returning the process list back into the, um, into the query metadata. And I'd never seen that before. I thought that'd be, that's pretty interesting. And I was kind of curious, does that happen all the time or not? Um, but, you know, one of those things where it'd be really useful to see, but I can also see if that is returned more often than not, that maybe it would be, you know, something that could inflate your uh, metadata, you know, significantly. We're at the point where, I don't know, I'm just thinking if I'm running a lot of queries at the same time, that might be a pretty huge process list. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it every time. Um, I've, done a lot of troubleshooting on deadlocks with SQL server, but not really on MySQL. Um, but I, what I've actually written before um, in the past for SQL server was just kind of like a separate, you know, monitor page that would give me a nice little HTML visualization of all the processes running on my SQL server. And it would show me, you know, what processes had blocks or had locks that were blocking the other processes. Um, yeah. He also included a debug statement, which showed up in the process list. So he could like add a little debug, um, statement in there and that would show up and then when he was looking at the process list he knew exactly what query was doing what 
And so it was kind of like cool. a, a little comment. So I hadn't seen that. So I thought this was really yeah. interesting. Well, the problem uh, with deadlocks is always, you know, you get it in production under load and you can always never figure out like exactly what was running at the time. So getting uh, getting kind of debug information like this is is a, a pretty cool approach to kind of doing your post-mortem analysis on it. Otherwise, you're kind of just scratching your head trying to figure out. Yeah. And of course, um, it, you said you found something that will actually give you information about the lock, but the time you run it, it's too late. Um. <laughs> really? See, SQL, uh, in SQL Server, you can run um, the prof no, it's a profiler trace. You can run a trace and you can tell it to listen for deadlocks and it'll give you a bunch of information about what two processes deadlocked, what they were doing and why. But you have to have that trace running ahead of time. Yeah. Um, it's not something you can run like after the fact. So it's, yeah. it's always the problem with deadlock is like, how do you get the information after the fact? And a lot of times there's, there's not any good information. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, really interesting. I learned a lot of stuff in that one. Uh, I'm glad we don't get too many of these deadlock issues ourselves. <laughs> definitely hard to troubleshoot. Cool. And then, um, so after that, we, we had a tweet, um, from code wars and they said code wars. asking you shall receive and so they tagged a whole bunch of people that were uh, helping us to bug them and they said code wars now officially supports cold fusion cfml so so yeah that is cool i like that it had some uh cots in the attention of people saying um uh omg this is my first coding language ever i'm so stoked so yeah it was pretty interesting and uh, i guess one of them, uh, one of the people who said that, he runs a, a YouTube channel called Code Fights. Yeah. And so he'll actually get um, coders and give them a, a challenge, and they have like 15 minutes to complete this challenge or whatever. And so uh, I guess somebody volunteered me <laughs> and Michael Bourne for that <laughs> as a remote thing because of Do the live code. But yeah, so uh, I don't know. We, we may see a Cold Fusion version of that, but I've never seen code fights before. But I guess usually they have them in person and they have like four or five people, you know, trying to do it. So I might have to go check that out. But yeah, it's it pretty cool if they put like big boxing gloves on you and you're actually punching the other person while they're <laughs> writing code. CFF, LSF. I might pay money for that. That's why you're listening. That can be a new CF camp after party. Uh, well, that's why we don't let Brad organize the after parties. <laughs> Code in your sumo suit. Yep. And then um, for those of you who missed um, the CF snippets uh, last week that went live, uh, Gray Desmond um, posted that on the Cold Fusion portal so you can find a little more about it. So that's Michael Bourne's uh, snippets tool. And so it's open source. You guys can actually um, submit pull requests to it and add some of your own snippets in there. And we got some big plans for it. I talked to Michael about uh, ideas. And, you know, I think one of the coolest thing is we should definitely add C uh, VS Code support. So you could actually pull up CF snippets in there, filter them and search them, um, you know, and then be able to just use it straight in VS Code. That'd be pretty neat. So I made him add that to the roadmap. <laughs> um, and then uh, we have that blog post from Keyshore, the developer week in Q uh, roadshows. So the other thing we didn't mention in, um, in the, the news section is that um, part of their Java community outreach program, they're going to be a sponsor at developer week, which is um, this week. So 12th to the 16th, they're actually going to be uh, held in the Oakland Convention Center in Oakland. And Alicia is going to be there um, talking about CF and microservices. And so they actually have some open passes that can be com 
can be claimed from this uh the url that brad's gonna share in the show notes but so yeah so if oh. you guys are in the area and you want to uh um, post i think so oh so yeah um but yeah if you get in uh if you need to pass for that that there and you're going to be in the area uh alicia should be there you guys can go touch face with her as well check that out so what exactly is developer week is it just a conference yeah it's a conference it's got a bunch of stuff i mean it looks pretty huge um so i checked it out um been pretty busy lately myself so i'm not sure i can travel up there but in oakland well well, it's in five hours so if you get in your car right now <laughs> you well, may make it yeah but it's, it's the rest of the week i think it's um you know the 12th through the 16th so but there's oh, their website says zero days five hours man well, it's probably the, the kickoff party or something uh, it might be workshops or something yep developer so. week so alicia's talking Basically, just has like a session. I was just curious, like to what extent Adobe was doing stuff here. I think they have uh, a booth um, or something too, so you can go meet them. Okay. I mean, I was just curious if they had any like opportunities to like you know show people Cold Fusion and stuff like that. So, because I mean, her talk is microservices architecture trends and challenges, which does sound like a cool talk. Um, I'm just thinking like, is Adobe doing stuff that you know lets people like see Cold Fusion? But maybe they'll have some of that stuff at their booth. I don't know. Yep. Be interesting to see. Uh, what they're doing so if anyone's in the area definitely go check it out it looks like a great conference and uh they have a few passes that can be claimed they said so should, we should add this to our watch list for next year's conferences Maybe we can submit some uh cfml talks yeah sounds good okay, see so do they do they specialize in a certain type of language or are they just like a they have a big mixture of everything from what i could tell they have I'm, an entire bullet called javascript conference so obviously they're big on that and I everything think, else is kind of fluffy api microservices cloud native ai machine learning blah blah well this is this one i think they have several different conferences throughout the year in different locations if i remember oh, right kind of like a little traveling deal yeah so they i think they're later on in the year i believe they're going to be in texas in november or something so yeah okay so developer week it's interesting so pretty decent size uh conference lots of tracks lots of great content I have to go um, crash that baby and drop some cold fusion bombs. <laughs> Sup, baby? Cold fusion. Yeah. Okay. We also had a, a tweet from Lucy. So they wanted you to know that they sent out a monthly newsletter with the latest Lucy update. So if you want to, you can go check out previous versions or go subscribe to the newsletter and uh, you'll get all the, you know, all the monthly updates so you can know what's going on and, and what you can play with. So, uh, we have links to the that tweet there, and you can go check that out. Cool. Okay, so just a reminder for those of you, the coding challenge of the month this month, February 2020. Um, basically, what we want you to do is to go to ForgeBox and uh, install the CFML challenge app, and then basically get all the tests to pass. So... We're, we're going to be working on um, some submissions for you later, so you can actually make a pull request of your uh, your updates. And then uh, as we update new um, new tests, new challenges, uh, you can actually update the module itself by doing a box install. It'll see that the, the module, the challenge module itself has been updated and will update for you. But it's basically a simple little code carter type setup. So you can go in there and uh, basically make this function pass and if you get all the tests to pass, we'll uh, 
We'll put you in the draw for $25 gift certificate. So make sure you complete the test. Don't just delete the test. <laughs> so, yeah, it says completing them, not cheating. What do we do if you cheat? We come and cut your fingers off. Well, the the way Wait. we're going to have them submit is basically they're going to submit their CFC, which has the solution in it. So mm -hmm. it'll run against our test. So if they delete their test and it passes when they submit it to ours, <laughs> it won't. It's still going to fail. Yep. So we're going to try and uh, hook up something so they can just, you know, Submit it as a pull request through uh, GitHub or something like that, and we can have the tests automatically run as part of our build process. So uh, Michael and myself will be working on that um, in the next couple of weeks. And so that way, before the end of the month, it'll be ready. You can submit your stuff, and then we can see if you actually get them all to pass or not. I love it. So, what kind of jobs do we have this week, Gavin? Well, we've got quite a few. Uh, there's 34 positions that are currently active and listed uh, from 24 companies, 23 locations in five countries. We've got four new ones. So it looks like we've got a full-time Fusion developer and Frederick MD, and that was just posted on the 10th. And we have a full-time mm -hmm. intermediate Fusion developer in Edmonton, Canada. We've got a couple That's in stupid. Canada. Pretty much lately. all these are full-time. That's nice. Yep. We have one contract one right now. Uh, so a Fusion developer in Richland. Um, that's Washington. So one contract job there, and then we have a full-time senior Confusion developer um, for a remote company, and that's in the United States. We don't actually have the state on that one. Let me click and see. If it has Wait, a remote company is the name of the company actually like quote remote, or does it just mean like we're not going to tell you? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm looking at the full detail. Location they remote, comma United States. I wonder if this is a a recruiter or something. Yeah. Oh, there we go. No, if, you, if you click on more details, the indeed.com listing appears to have a lot more information than what CFML jobs pulled in. Yeah. So it looks like it's Ansira. So I'm not sure who they are. Uh, it says you Certainly can work leading remote. market technology and services firm. <laughs> yeah. Data and results. So. So yeah, so there's some good opportunities there, and these are just the new ones. There are additional ones that are still listed there, so uh, go check those out for sure um, if you're looking for a job. And obviously, um, you can list your job postings on getcfmodjobs.com as well, and it does you know scrape from the big suppliers as well. Okay, let's get into the ForgeBox module of the week. So this week, um, we're going to add a command box one. So com command box Have module. Have I even seen this one? I think you mentioned it last week. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty new. So Abram Adams um, sent, submitted this command box console. Oh, pretty. yes, yes. And so it's just a simple well, that's module. Right, we were helping Abram get this, uh, this guy posted because his Unicode emoji characters blew up our poor MySQL database when he tried to publish this package. Yep. Sad trombone. <laughs> yeah, we're working on that, but yeah, there's some weird issue with um, emojis and the version of MySQL that we're running, and so sometimes that will blow things up. But yeah, so... Yeah, I need to, I need to like, start using this com in command box, because I have... You know, there's, there's several commands in command box that output, like, you know, this little box of asterisks or something with text in the middle, like the info command. You know, I always just do it manually. You know, you count the number of characters and you subtract you know, from the length and blah, 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 repeat string. Um, this is kind of nice. Yep. So the module just draws a boarded message um, box when you're pushing stuff out to the console. So it can accept a string or an array of strings to print inside the box as well. Uh, word wrapping is nice. on by default, but uh, 
And he also mentions hint, even empty strings are considered a separate line. <laughs> so hmm. just be aware of that. But all right. Command box five. Every single message is going to have a box around it. Boom. Yeah. So if you want to use that, just box install console pretty. And then, yeah, you can use that inside your command box commands. So yeah, so cool. you could you could basically include this as a dependency of a module that you're writing that made commands, which I have a feeling is probably what he was doing. Yep. Top secret, I'm sure, but pretty Top cool. Secret. So yeah, so that's the module of the week. Go check it out. Um, I got to play with a little bit of command box commands last week on site, which is fun. I need to do more of that, so I might have to add that in too. I know we were doing some crazy stuff with task runners and such. I actually added, Oh, I should have tweeted about it. Maybe I did. I added a couple new uh, command box commands when we were on site last week. Cause I needed them for something I was doing. I added a sort command, which bash does, um, which is handy. If you have like a list of files or names and you want to sort them in the output. And I added a, um, what did I add? What was the other one? Oh, unique. Bash has a unique command. Of course, they spell it U-N-I-Q because I guess the U-E is way too much typing to do. Uh, <laughs> I had a use case where I was, you know, gathering a list of files from a directory, um, or actually it was from a database input initially, and I wanted to just get a unique list. And so there's a unique command that'll be in the next version of the command box, but I spelled out the whole word, um, that you can just pipe your input through that, and it'll it'll take out all the duplicates. So, yeah, pretty cool. Okay. So VS Code? VS Let's Code, hence tips and tricks of the week. So this one is called Local History by XYZ, and it was recommended by James Moberg. Uh, so we're getting some of the listeners to the show actually submit some recommendations for these, which is cool. And so this is a, a Visual Studio Code plugin for maintaining local histories of your file. So every time you modify a file, what it's doing is it's putting a copy of the old contents in a local history. There's actually a folder that it keeps track of them all. So if you rename files, make a change, delete a file by accident, the history, um, basically the history section has a little, um, uh, little tab that you can see the different versions of a file. You can go back That's and see cool. the differences. So, so if you accidentally blow away a file, but you hadn't committed your previous changes, so, you know, doing a yep. git revert isn't an option, then you can, uh, use this local history thing to see what it was 10 minutes ago or whatever. Yeah, so I thought that's kind of like that. kind of cool. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, like yeah, we commit our code to source control and everything, but not we're in we're in the middle of something. You know, we'll try stuff and debug and you mess around. And all of a sudden, you like delete something or you cut it out and save the file and you copy something else. And you yeah. toss it and I'm like, oh, I used to it. I used to run into the Control Z limit that uh, CF Builder had. By default, you could only Control Z like twenty times or something. Yeah, and every once in a while, I'd be like, oh crap, I deleted a chunk of code earlier today and didn't realize it. And I hold down Control Z and it goes back like five minutes and stops. I'm like, ah, I haven't committed my code in a while. I, I lost my change. Yeah, so this, this, this might be coming handy. So yeah, so um, it's had 135,000 installs or whatnot. It's got four stars, but yeah, just another cool little little tool that might be useful for you. Uh, obviously, if it's putting it in a certain folder, make sure that's ignored from your Git, um, you know, your workspace, so you don't uh, commit all those files because that would get pretty big pretty fast. But but yeah, so there we go. All right, and that brings us to our sponsors. We're all out of content. Yep. So uh, our Patreon supporters, 
Yeah. Because <laughs> we got to get ready and uh, head over to watch that Fusion Reactor <laughs> live stream in a minute here. Ooh, actually, I'm on my way to help with some Valentine's Day parties at school, so I'm going to have to watch the Fusion Reactor live stream after the fact. So you'll have to give Mikey some heck for me, okay? Okay, we will do. <laughs> give, him a, give him a hard time in my absence. Yeah, so thanks all the Patreon supporters for all the different levels that you support us on, but it definitely helps our open source projects. Uh, all the money from our Patreon goes straight into that, so thank you. So thanks Andrew Davis, Brian White, Calvin Stedden, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Ballinger, Tadia Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, John Farrar, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Laxma Tedahari, Matthew Clemente, Richard Herbert, Samuel Knowlton, Scott Steinbeck, VJ, and Yukish Mathieu. So yep. thank you, you guys everybody. directly sponsor Gavin's private yacht and any leftovers goes right into open source. <laughs> yeah, very funny. <laughs> but uh, if you guys can go to autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash sponsors to see all of our sponsors, uh, and you can find out more about becoming a patron sponsor. And remember, just because the the big packages say that you could be on the podcast right now. We're basically thanking all of our supporters until we get uh, more of those big ticket supporters. So thanks everybody and everyone have a great week and we'll see you next week. Yep. Bye-bye. <laughs>